welcome to the Day Health Strategies podcast, Unlocking Accountable Care, Conversations on Healthcare Reform. This podcast features experts in the field talking about the most salient issues in healthcare reform. Hi, this is Unlocking Accountable Care. This is your host, Nico Lehman-White. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Elizabeth Mitchell, who is the CEO of the Pacific Business Group on Health. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi there. Hi. So, uh, Elizabeth, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself as well as the Pacific Business Group on Health, what your background is and what you guys do. Sure. So the Pacific Business Group on Health is uh, an organization of jumbo employers, and we are employer only by design. Mm -hmm. Um, We include some of the largest companies in the world, Um, tech, manufacturing, you know, Walmart to Boeing to some of the Silicon Valley employers. Um, And we just celebrated our 30th anniversary. We just had a party last week. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. It is a big deal. And we had the opportunity to look back over those 30 years and really some cutting edge innovations in the market, things that just hadn't been done before. Like we were, we designed the first consumer directed health plan, you know, 20 years ago. We were in very instrumental in essentially the founding principles of the ACA in getting that established. We were able to do some a negotiating alliance um, at our inception, really, and managed to bring down premiums for our members by 9.5%, sort of defying healthcare cost gravity. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, we we remain um, very focused on the market and value based purchasing. We are also really invested in advanced primary care and how do you do the clinical transformation to enable. Uh, better outcomes, and we actually have a separate entity called the California Quality Collaborative that's under PBGH, but they do um, direct provider uh, quality improvement and transformation assistance. And then we also have a a policy arm. So about 30% of our work is really in the policy sphere, uh, both federal and state. PBGH um, has um, actually more than one medical director. Um, So we partner with clinical leaders to help advise us on on measurement on you know provider selection we as we also have you know deep expertise in measurement performance measurement data all of the things that you need to to really evaluate we actually um, maintain the largest database in the country of patient experience um, results so we collect that data we use that data. We actually, this is super nerdy, but we just um, partnered with Dartmouth on getting NQF approval for a shared decision-making measure because we had enough data to enable the, the tests that they needed. So we are deep into quality and performance measurement, and we have just a, a truly expert staff. Um, but we are also um, partnering with clinician leaders um, both for our California Quality Collaborative work, so the practice transformation support that we offer to providers, uh, small practices, um, and in the Centers of Excellence work. So we would never suggest that um, any of this could be evaluated without um, clinical expertise. So we um, absolutely partner with clinicians on that. Okay, so the California Quality Collaborative I'm interested in learning a little bit more about what they do. So do they you know, go physically into 
you know, provider into hospitals, into, you know, small provider spaces and um, provide operational redesign support or uh, wondering how exactly that works? Uh, short answer is yes. Okay. Although we have not been very involved on the tertiary side, we've been mm -hmm. primarily focused on small and rural practices. We just completed a grant from CMS, the Practice Transformation Initiative, and had what I think are really amazing results. We calculated using the CMS methodology that we had saved you know, over $365 million through avoidable and necessary care, like mm -hmm. ED admissions or hospital admissions, um, and were able to quantify real patient improvements. Um, so it, it again, proving <laughs> that better care costs less mm -hmm. and investing in the right care um, is better for patients and for those who are paying for the care. Yeah. Great. So how do you come up with or hone care delivery models that you, uh, that you implement? Well, I wouldn't say that we implement care delivery models. Um, we are, again, um, when you think about our employer membership, they are looking for the highest quality care for their employees. Right. And, you know, I've heard this myth that employers, you know, are really just looking for a discount or the cheapest care. That is absolutely not true, at least among my members, where they will be very clear that what they are looking for is higher quality and better patient experience. Um, I think they also have a, an appreciation that often higher quality does result in lower total cost, but they will prioritize quality first. And they, again, I, I say this all the time, but healthcare is not their day jobs. They build mm -hmm. airplanes, they sell groceries, and the idea that they are supposed to fix the healthcare system is really a strange concept, but the level of frustration with the current mm -hmm. system is so high that they they are stepping up to that role because, you know, frankly, the system has not fixed itself. Mm -hmm. So there is a sense that they need to come together and help drive quality improvement and accountability in the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. So they, we help them identify that more than design models. Um, that said though, we also have pretty deep expertise in-house. We are measure developers for CMS, so we've done a lot of work in measurement. We do bundle design. We have a maternity bundle that we're piloting with some employers and providers. So we can go deep on the technical redesign, but our primary um, work is really helping employers identify and pay for the best care for their employees. Okay. Yeah, and since employers are about 50% of the healthcare market, would you say that it's kind of the onus is on them uh, in order to drive that change more than most other types of entities? Well, my members collectively spend about $100 billion a year on healthcare, mm -hmm. and they are seeing cost increases that do not correlate with higher quality. Mm -hmm. So in, in many ways, with prices increasing and quality flat or declining, value is diminishing. It's actually going down. One example is around pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Pharma prices have gone up 41% in 10 years, and it's essentially the same drugs. It's just pricing. So they have a responsibility that they own to identify how to get higher value for their spend. That said, the idea that 
you know, large employers should be sort of as the customers of care should be figuring out how to fix the system is unusual. Right. <laughs> and yet, um, like you wouldn't imagine, you know, Apple telling their customers that you have to tell us how to fix the iPhone. <laughs> they really kind of take it upon themselves to make sure they have the best, most consumer friendly product. That really doesn't seem to be the case in healthcare. So. Um, for better or worse, they are stepping into that role. They're paying the bills and they are looking for greater accountability on behalf of the people that they employ. Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about some of the programs that you guys offer for employers in order to you know, help them provide higher quality, more efficient, uh, higher value care? Sure. One of the um, programs that we have led um, that has gotten you know, considerable attention recently is a Centers of Excellence network. So that actually started with employers. Lowe's, McKesson, and Walmart had been sort of incubating a Center of Excellence concept and program. This was five, six years ago. And they brought it to PBGH because they wanted other employers to adopt it. So, and they wanted our help with implementation and measurement. And that is actually, I think, a really important um, glimpse into what our perceived role is, because there is no employer in any market, typically, that has enough of a headcount to be able to drive total change, right? So with the exception of, like, let's say, Disney in Orlando, where they are big enough that they can you know, move the market, for the most part, our, our employees are all national, and you know, they have concentrations of headcount, but still there's multiple payers. So the idea is that if we can create alignment across our employer members in the markets where they, they are concentrated, we can help scale and accelerate some of that change. So anyway, they brought it to PBGH um, and it has grown over time where we have programs in, you know, spine, joint replacement, you know, some of the higher cost specialty areas mm -hmm. and we help design the quality standards uh, by which uh, centers can participate so we have an RFI uh, and when we are we are often like very often <laughs> approached by providers who would like to be part of the network and we uh, share the RFI if they feel like they would meet the standards and would like to proceed we do a rigorous on-site um, review interviews with the surgeons and administration and staff um, and we we assess if we think that they are you know if they are a good fit for the program and that their quality really truly is exceptional we then partner with a TPA it's called Health Design Plus uh, and they have implemented um, a bundle for most of these procedures. So there is also an element of payment reform involved, which we know is necessary. We know the fee-for-service incentives are not aligned with the outcomes we're hoping to achieve. So um, these bundles give greater accountability uh, in terms of sometimes warranties, mm -hmm. but also more flexibility to the provider so they get to make the decisions on what is needed. So, so they administer the program. So it is, um, it's a matter of setting standards that reflect employer priorities and then enabling the providers to do you know, what they're so good at with appropriate payment. So that's sort of how that works. And 
we are, um, I mean, it's actually growing quite rapidly over the last year or so. I think that has a lot to do with increasing cost pressures on, on employers, uh, realizing they have to do something different, but also um, sort of growing acceptability and proof of concept. We have, it's been established that this is, you know, better. It's better care. And we've quantified that. It's been published in the Harvard Business Review, Walmart's results. About 50% of the people referred for surgery didn't need it. That is avoidable care. That Think about having an unnecessary surgery as an employee. Mm -hmm. So this is care that wasn't needed, and yet we got better experience results from employees, several of them who went through the program said we didn't even know healthcare could be like this. They felt cared for. They felt like there was like a concierge wraparound service helping them navigate the entire experience. And we got much better outcomes. I think it was about a 50% reduction in readmissions, infections, all the things that you want to see happen. Mm -hmm. And there was a massive savings in total cost because we truly believe better care costs less and we're able to demonstrate that in many of these programs. Wow, that's fascinating. So what partnerships does your organization have in place to make these arrangements work? Well, I mentioned um, the partnership with Health Design Plus, which is a TPA. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of them. Um, you know, our, our real partnerships, though, are with our members. Um, they're all individual employers, obviously, um, but we, we work very closely with them to design a lot of their, um, their innovations and how they're purchasing mm-hmm. care. And they have different populations, they have different priorities. Um, so, you know, employers are definitely not monolithic. Um, and they have to, you know, tailor their approach to their population. Um, Disney, I think, is a great example of someone who's taken, they've taken a very different approach in Orlando where they essentially stood up um, a very robust primary care clinic. And it really, they are thinking about primary care in a much more expansive way than we might traditionally think of it. So including some of the social determinants, nutrition care, dental care, um, really thinking more broadly. But they created this independent primary care center for their employees. And that independent primary care center um, manages the referrals to the two competing regional systems. And they have helped drive quality improvement and value improvement through being that you know independent arbiter, <laughs> and it has not been without tension. Um, but what we we actually had Disney present to our membership um, just Thursday, and they said the conversations have changed dramatically to where they are. The, the systems are really competing, and how do we get better? How do we remove waste from the system? And that has all been within the last few years, but it can happen. So there's not a single approach. There is certainly no silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have, we have members who are innovating. Boeing went with direct contracted ACOs years ago. Qualcomm is working on a direct maternity bundle with Scripps down in San Diego, piloting different ways of approaching this, but again, really trying to take a leadership approach to making care better. So what role do you see employers playing in in healthcare transformation uh, from a broad sense? Well again, um, they are 
they pay the bills, right? And healthcare costs have continued to grow at truly unsustainable levels. Um, that comes out of wages. That comes out of business growth and innovation. I think that there's this idea that it just comes out of the endless pocket of a health plan and people are fine with that, but self-insured employers are the ones who are actually paying. So people need to realize that those increasing healthcare costs are coming out of employers and employees. So there needs to be a new sort of sense of accountability around cost, in my opinion. Um, and I, I guess I would say generally that employers, are, my members anyway, um, are looking to be far more active and increasingly interventionist into the healthcare system. There was a big um, trend to more consumer-directed care or cost-sharing, um, thinking that that would enable, you know, some mitigation of the cost trend. But I think that there is an increasing skepticism that that is going to achieve those goals. I think some research has come out that, you know, increased cost-sharing. Um, it prevents necessary care or people mm -hmm. are avoiding care like the cost barriers are um, more significant than have been anticipated and um, and frankly there is no transparent information you're asking patients to be a consumer in a market that doesn't exist you can't decide oh I'm gonna go to this hospital because it's better and cheaper because you can't get that information and so I think at least, again, among some of our leading members, there is a shift back to we need to intervene directly into the system because we've exhausted, um, frankly, all of their options. Mm -hmm. So what direction do you see the Pacific Business Group on Health taking in the coming years as things change in the policy sphere and the you know, economic sphere and the healthcare industry? Sure. Well. Um, we are going to be more active. We are going to be more visible. Um, I don't know if you've um, <laughs> been tracking some of the federal health policy developments, but it's been a very busy time. Um, I've been on the Hill a lot over the last uh, few weeks. Um, and what's fascinating is the employers are increasingly ready to jump into the debate, whether it's drug pricing or surprise billing or PBM transparency. Again, employers have a lot of competing policy priorities, and health policy may not always have risen to the top, right? They've got other issues to deal with. That's shifting. We are seeing, we are being asked by our employers for opportunities to weigh in directly because it is impacting them differently. So we will be very active on the policy front. Um, we've been very active on the policy front in California, both in you know state policy, but also in sort of the regulatory environment. The Sutter case, I think, is um, a case study that we should all pay attention to. PBGH was extremely instrumental in actually initiating some of that work. Obviously, it was taken up by the Attorney General, and now, you know, but we had the data showing a 70% price variation um, based on certain markets and market dynamics. So you use the data um, and then you enlist um, <laughs> like-minded partners. And I believe, you know, we haven't seen the um, settlement yet. It's um, 
any day now, maybe even tomorrow. Um, but we're going to start seeing, um, I think, some shifts in regulatory approaches to consolidation, market consolidation, uh, because the pricing increases didn't correspond adequately with quality. So I think you're going to start seeing some more um, activity on that front. And then we are also looking to be far more impactful in the market. Um, we have always been and will continue to be partners and advisors and conveners with our members. We help them, you know, connect with each other to learn what's working and what doesn't work. But um, PBGH is likely to be uh, far more sort of front and center in actually coming up with market solutions for our members. I'm, I'm you know, really happy to uh, be here and I, I just, there, t there tends to be a myth about employers, um, about them not being invested in health and higher quality, and I just want to dispel that, at least on behalf of my members. Um, they are looking for innovative partnerships with providers. Um, that said, that will require you know everybody to do things differently. Um, more transparency, more accountability, um, but that could lead to a much more direct partnership with less administrative burden, <laughs> as an example. So I wouldn't say we think we have all the answers, far from it. We are just looking for um, a way to improve uh, quality and outcomes on behalf of employees. Great. Well, thank you very much, Elizabeth Mitchell. Uh, that was Elizabeth from the Pacific Business Group on Health. And that's another episode of Unlocking Accountable Care. Thank you for tuning in to the Day Health Strategies podcast, Unlocking Accountable Care, Conversations on Healthcare Reform. Day Health Strategies is a Boston-based, mission-driven healthcare consulting firm specializing in providing timely and effective solutions to complex problems in healthcare. To learn more about our work, please visit our website at www.dayhealthstrategies.com or follow us on Twitter at DayHealthStrat. Just a reminder, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of Day Health Strategies. Our producer and host is Emily George. Editing is done by Kate Gautam. Special thanks to Purple Planet for the use of their songs. <laughs>